Welcome to the Intentional Encourager podcast, where each episode brings you compelling conversations and stories designed to entertain, enlighten, and encourage. And now here's your host, Brian Sexton. Hi, and welcome into the Intentional Encourager podcast. I am your host, Brian Sexton. Thank you so much for joining us today here on episode two, which features my friend Blake Benz. Blake is a great guy. I think you're going to really enjoy this episode of the Intentional Encourager podcast, where we talk to Blake about a number of things. We talk about Blake's business, good advice, coaching. We talk about the things that shaped Blake early in his life, and we talk about an obstacle that Blake had to overcome, which was the obstacle of depression and how that led him to what he's doing today. You're going to love this. You're going to fall in love with Blake. He's such a great guy and has a wonderful story to tell. So now let's get into the story that Blake tells about himself. And you're really going to like this Intentional Encourager podcast. Here now is my conversation with Blake Benz. Well, Brian, thank you for having me today, man. I uh, absolutely appreciate the opportunity. Dude, your podcast, you are living out the name of your podcast. I, I really value our friendship. You absolutely are the intentional encourager. And as a fellow podcaster, man, like I said, it's a real joy to be on here today. So thank you. Man, the honor is all mine. Let's start with your background because I, I, everybody, and, and the reason that I'm doing the Intentional Encourager podcast. Everybody has a story, Blake. So I want you to share your story with the audience. Um, your background is a little different from how you got to <laughs> from point A to point B. So share with us a little bit about your background. Yeah. So like what I do now is I run a consulting firm called Good Advice and I just give good advice to business owners. I help them grow their business and make more money. And it's always surprising to people when they hear my story of how I got into it because I never went to business school. I, I don't have any kind of like insane coaching certification. Uh, and, and I think what is surprising to people is honestly, I, I got into coaching because I was a high school teacher. About a decade ago, I worked in inner city Houston as a literally a high school teacher and Loved my kids. It was an awesome experience. It was also a pretty traumatic experience because we had some really awful bosses. And unfortunately, I, in working there a few years, I saw a lot of great talent leave because they, they didn't want to work there anymore. Mm -hmm. And so from that whole experience, I was like, man, we got to do leadership a better way. We got to do management a better way. And really from that, it led to me working for a consulting firm here in Northwest Arkansas that focused on leadership and management. And then after um, working there for a few years, I really realized there's more to the game than just, you know, um, some of the cliches we say like servant leadership or, uh, you know, I can't think of what other things there are, but you know, these things we say about leadership, there's a lot more to it. And it's, it's a lot to do with how we run our businesses and how we run our lives that are also important. Um, so it's been kind of this strange you know, and even before teaching, the way I got into teaching was that I had been a, I helped run a summer camp and had been a mm -hmm. camp counselor and just loved kids. And just, you know, there was a really strong leadership focus there. And so I, I like to think of myself as someone who's jumped from really the most disconnected job to the next disconnected job. But in my mind, it all makes sense. Like, mm -hmm. you know, moving from camp counselor to teacher to consultant, you know, these are totally different fields. But for me, it's, it was just kind of a natural oh, it makes sense why I'm doing this now. Um, so that's kind of the, that's the short and long of it, I guess. 
How do you separate teaching from consulting? Because you have the heart of a teacher. It's what you train to do uh, from an educational standpoint. How do you make that transition and, and avoid at times trying to teach a business what to do and, and more of a leading and pulling them in a direction that's going to be better for their business? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's for me, it's, um, it's one of the same for me, only because when I was a teacher, it wasn't, it wasn't a very like, um, I'm just make this part of their DNA only because ideally it's going to serve them long-term. And so for me, it's, it's been a really natural progression for me where, you know, when I'm sitting someone, when I'm sitting down with like a business owner, there's nothing I can say that they wouldn't already know. And, and what I mean by that is, you know, sometimes we get so caught up in what's like the latest on <laughs> any topic, but especially leadership, especially management, you know, what's the latest, what's the latest book, what's the latest, you know, resource that I can check out. And there, there really isn't a lot to it. In fact, there's an old, a really old SNL skit on this with uh, Steve Martin. And he's, it, the, the whole skit's about him leading a, um, it's like how to deal with credit debt. And he's like the consultant coming in and he's dealing with this family. And they're like, how do I, how do I reduce the money on my credit card? And he was like, it's easy. You spend less than you make. And they're like, wait, 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 what? So wait, do I... <laughs> And they don't, they don't, you know, they're going with the whole, the whole uh, skit and they're like, wait, so I should spend more than I make. And he's like, no, no, other way around, spend less than you make. And it's, that's kind of how leadership in business is, is, you know, for me, when I was a teacher, I had, it was something like 90% of my students were uh, qualified for free and reduced lunch. The majority of them uh, really were um, not what you'd call a traditional student. Some of them, we had, we had basically over 40 different languages represented in my school because we had so many different refugees and people who um, were just coming from all over the globe and they didn't have English as their primary language. So for me, my job was to take the most important content remove all the noise from it and deliver this is what you need to worry about and this is what you need to do so did that sharpen your sword and i don't mean to break in there but did that sharpen your sword as far as learning how to communicate effectively because you know when you have 40 different languages obviously you may have been obviously you're you're teaching english because you have english-speaking students but trying to get a singular message to try to, to parse that over 40 different languages has got to be difficult. Did you learn how to concise your communication? And how, yeah. did that, how has that helped you in your business today? Well, it's funny you, it's funny you asked that because as I was thinking, the point that I was getting at actually was that the secret sauce of being a great teacher is all in your ability to communicate. You know, whether you have a classroom, I had classroom sizes of over 40 and so I know that, and these are, these are high schoolers, so their attention span is very narrow and limited, mm-hmm. just like people in general. But so I have 45 minutes to deliver a piece of information that all 40 of them, regardless of their background, they can all take something of value from it, right? In the same way with consulting, there's, there's nothing academic about this. And if, and if that's someone's approach to business, they're going to fall on their face because because you can't become a master of business unless you are a Steve Jobs, you know, you've, mm-hmm. you've grown like a billion dollar business. The power of consulting is being able to deliver 
here's the information you need to know and doing it in a, in a clear, concise, powerful way. And that's, that's really what I do and how my teaching gig set me up for what I do now is when I sit down with someone, I'm not, I'm not teaching someone a concept. Mm -hmm. I'm giving them the most important piece of information and, and it's use the word pull. That's honestly how it is sometimes. Sometimes I'm really trying to pull them along, not because they're unwilling, but because a lot of the way we do business is bad habits. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's the way that makes sense to us. It's what just is sort of top of mind for us. It's not always very strategic. So there is a little bit of a pull and a tug and these things happening to try to get someone uh, in the right place. How long did it take you to develop your secret sauce in communication? <laughs> because there's so many people that you hear that, that terminology Blake used so often is, well, you've got to have a secret sauce and things like that. <laughs> and for, for some people in business, they have that V8 moment right away and they know what their secret sauce is immediately. For others, it takes years to develop the recipe, so to speak. For you, how quickly did it, did it take you to get that secret sauce to where you knew when you stepped into the classroom, it's like, hey, I've got this. And, and transitioning as you have over to consulting and the secret sauce that you have with your, your business, Good Advice Coaching. Well, what's kind of interesting about this question is um, I, I never was like, I want to be a teacher. Now let me develop the skill set I need to be a teacher. I want to be a consultant. So how do I, you know, I want to be a coach. How do I now, what's kind of funny about my life, and I, I guess it was, you know, God driven, really. It's, it's these skill sets that have been developed into me by other people, like great mentors, who, when I stepped into these jobs, it was already a natural fit. So like, going back to your question, like, what's the secret sauce? You know, for me, my approach has always been very practical driven. It's always been sort of cut the noise. But especially like from a communication standpoint, I mentioned that summer camp that I uh, helped run. Well, the funny thing about that summer camp is when I was a kid, I was a camper there. Mm -hmm. And the guy who ran the camp at that point was such an intentional leader in my life. He's to this day, one of the best communicators I know. But even when I came on as, as part-time staff, anytime I was communicating with the campers, and this is, this is summer camp, there's no, the stakes are incredibly low here. And in fact, mm -hmm. sometimes my boss was so high strung that I had a fellow counselor who was like, does he know we're running a summer camp? Like, this is not triage. This is a kid's summer camp. Yeah, it's not rocket science. Yeah. yeah. But so my boss was so uh, driven on, like, so here's a great example. I would get up in front of the campers and I would give them a piece of information. I would say, hey, this is what we're going to do. This is what the next activity is going to be. It's going to be really fun. It's going to be really great. And maybe half the kids would be excited about it. Well, he would pull me aside and say, hey, half of those kids you lost. Half of them didn't care. They were totally unmotivated. They want to go home. They don't want to go to the next activity now. Yeah, that's here's right. How you, here's how you need to say it differently. And the other piece about him that was really interesting was if you took that personal, if you were like, dude, get off my back, man. Like, I'm just trying to be a counselor here. He would really get after you in terms of personal development. Like, you need mm -hmm. to have an appetite for growth and for change and for being a, a stronger, better professional. I think those two things hand in hand is really what equipped me to be a teacher, to be a coach, to literally anything. It, it's, it's from a young age being told, Blake, you have to be very intentional in, in your communication and you have to be driven to grow as a professional. 
so that when I became a teacher, I was already bringing those things with me. You know, it's, it's the same concept, but it's just a different context. Yeah. I'm still having to communicate. I'm still having to grow now in a way that I haven't been stretched before. And the same thing with coaching. The only thing that's different with coaching is that now I get to take those two qualities and more directly uh, use it with the people that I'm working with. Does that answer your question? I don't know if I just rambled about my camp counselor. Days. Well, no, I, I love it. And, and it. and it prompted another question that I wanted to ask you. When you are coaching a client, how many of them come to you with the appetite of getting better? Or are they coming to you because they are starving to death in their business? There's, there is, when you mention appetite, and I love that, I love that phrasing that you use because so many people, either have a predisposition to appetite. In other words, when it's time to eat, they know, and I'm going to use this metaphorically, they know the right timing to seek out those things, as opposed to someone who is starving and just trying to ravage for their next meal. The appetite is different. So how do you consult someone and how do you zoom in on the right appetite for them to get better in their business? Yeah, and you know, I think it's it's hard to like paint like a black and white perspective on this because almost everyone has the desire to change. Not everyone actually will change. So the perfect example of this is look at all of the gyms January 1st. Yeah. You know, everyone wants to be better, but in terms of like the you talk about predisposition, but but especially like the routines and habits that we indulge in, not everyone's going to be able to. And so whenever I work with someone, it's, I'm not so much being like judgmental in the sense of, do you have it or do you not? But I am sizing them up. You know, it's, it's, and, and a lot of that happens in the original conversation. Like I had a woman on the phone the other day who she said, I'm very particular in how I run my business. And I said, well, if we're going to work together, that isn't going to fly. You mm -hmm. are hiring me for me to change how things have always worked so that you can make more money. You can have a better business, whatever. If that's not what you want, if you just want someone who can be sort of like a sounding board for you, I'm not that guy. Right. But so, you know, and then on the flip side of that, sometimes I have clients who they say they want that, but then after a couple of months, it's like, hey, you know, we've really been working together. You haven't really been executing on this. What's going on? Like, yeah. why it is, is it not practical enough? Is it not tangible enough? But let's, let's, let's solve it because, because here's the deal, Brian. For me and like the integrity of my business, it is infinitely more valuable to me to see you change and go on and be more successful yep. than it is for me to collect a paycheck from you. And the perfect example of this, I had a company at my last firm, I'm sure I'm gonna get in trouble for saying this, I had a company that had, that it was a personal client of mine, they had spent $100,000 on consulting work, 100 mm -hmm. grand. Man. They had wasted it, totally and completely wasted it. They were not intentional about change, Yep. They were very much so about checking the box and we did this, we did that. But when it came to actually pulling the levers in, and instilling some real leadership in terms of like the strategy we're indulging in, they weren't willing to do it. And so when the time, the time came to re-up, I let them walk. I said, you know what, yep. this, is a waste, this is a waste for you guys. It's a waste for me. It's a waste for you. Now, for, for a business owner out there to let that walk, it's probably insane. It's probably like, what you're nuts. You're crazy. But but for me, my integrity about how I go about my business, I have to know that, that my efforts aren't returning void, so to speak. I have yep. to know that they're actually making the difference they need to make. And so if someone isn't willing to demonstrate that appetite, 
like I said, there, there's probably a coach out there who will happily take your paycheck. Uh, it's just, it's not who I am. I'm only well, looking for people who are serious about it. Well, and, and, it, and I had a sales manager tell me one time, he said, Brian, you've got to be prepared to replace your best customer. Mm. And, and so, you know, you, you, you're doing that. And a lot of times in our society, Blake, and I see this with a lot of younger people, it's the video game mentality. They'll go to a GameStop, buy a video game, or they'll download it to their to their console, and they want to instantly be good at it, right? It's a solution yeah. in a box. And so yeah. I appreciate you bringing that up. We're talking to Blake Benz, who is the CEO of Good Advice Coaching here on the Intentional Encourager podcast. I am Brian Sexton, your host. Blake, I want to ask you this. What is the biggest obstacle that you've overcome? Because the the design of this podcast is to encourage business owners, just encourage people in general, and everybody has faced obstacles. As I mentioned at the top of the podcast, we're recording this now in the midst of COVID-19, and so uh, a lot of people are being challenged in ways that they've not been challenged before, whether working from home, um, sheltering in place, things like that. I want you to talk to the folks about one of the biggest obstacles that you faced in your, in your life or in business and, and how you overcame it. Yeah. I mean, hands down the, the hardest challenge for me to overcome has easily been depression. And, you know, as, as someone who, um, I, I just try to trace back. I, sometimes I just think back to my life, like where the earliest age I remember feeling basically useless and, uh, like my existence was pointless, uh, that I was better off dead. I mean, all of these like heavy things I was going through really as a high schooler, mm -hmm. literally, again, just as a teenager. And, you know, we talk about imposter syndrome a lot. And I think people, we like to throw that word around, but sometimes like our brains are so predisposed to a level of disbelief in our own ability Mm -hmm. a level of, um, you know, I don't have what it takes. And I was very fortunate at a young age, you know, I mentioned that boss, that camp counselor boss, at a very young age, I remember him pulling me aside and saying, man, you are so talented. You have talents that people on my staff don't have. Mm -hmm. Don't waste it. And this was a Christian summer camp. And I remember he, I think a couple of times he even alluded to that Bible verse on um, the, the, the talents and the man who, who buries his talent in the yeah. sand instead of using it and doubling it like the other two. And that was just really on the forefront of my mind of, I, I didn't know what was special about me, but I knew there was something special about me. But again, I didn't know what it was. And, and so it, it feels like the last two decades of my life have been this ebb and flow of, do I have what it takes or do I not? Mm -hmm. And it's really been in these last probably five years that I, I kind of, and really it was kind of a lack of patience. It was like, if I'm really going to make a difference for people, yeah. I have to rewire how my brain functions. You know, my Did brain you, is- and, and I mean to, to interrupt you, but a thought came to my mind when you were talking about depression and things like that. And we, we may have some folks out there that are dealing with this. And they say, I've gotten really good at hiding it. Because if, if my boss finds out, if my significant other finds out, if people around me find out, what is their perception of me going to be if they know that I have this condition internally, if they know I'm depressed? Were there times that you 
had to to put on a happy face that you had to to act and internally you were just miserable what did you do in those times how did you get through those times man lots of prayer <laughs> you know really Good answer what's funny for me is um and i don't know really what's the norm because I, I you know i'm not part of like a big facebook group of you know dealing with depressions i, I don't right. know what the norm has been like for other people what I know for me is what was probably most challenging for me is the times of my life that I felt like I was losing were the times that I was the most disconnected from people. And so it was, it was less about putting on a happy face and it was more about, I feel this way and I don't know who to go to about it. I don't know who to talk to about it. I don't, I feel disconnected from other people. And so I don't know how to leverage that you know, and, and really yeah. when I was like, I remember teaching in Houston and I was heavily depressed. I mean, I literally was living there by myself. I had left, I was living, before that I was living in Northwest Arkansas and I had done very well for myself. I was very connected there. I was doing really well there. And I felt this call to move to Houston to be a teacher. So I up and actually before that, I was actually teaching in uh, the Mississippi Delta, like rural Mississippi Delta. Oh my. And I remember getting up at 4 oh a.m just to make it to my school that was an hour away i remember getting up at 4 a.m just so i could be to the school by 7 a.m and i was miserable yeah but I, I i was miserable and i also i just felt incredibly alone and so i sometimes i wonder when it when it comes to depression is it so much our inability to be honest or is it our inability to feel connected enough to someone to say hey i need help like this is how i'm feeling this is where i'm at because i remember thinking I wish I had someone to confide in, to talk to, and frankly, to yep. get perspective from, because I knew that, and, and not like in a mental illness way, but it's like, again, your brain, your synapses fire in a way that is so habitual. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's like whenever I'm drinking a cup of coffee right now, every morning I drink this, it's like the same fire of, Ooh, yeah, that is good. Yeah, it, it hits your it's your it yeah, hits your cortex in the in in a certain way. And I've got to ask you this: in the midst of this social distancing, the new buzzword that we've got now. And again, I alluded to a moment ago as we're recording this: many, many millions of Americans are are working from home for the first time. And they're used to the buzz of being around people, the synapses firing because of connecting to people and things like that. What would be some advice from you having gone through this? Because you mentioned the, the feeling isolated, feeling by yourself, not having that contact, especially if you live alone. You know, you don't have a family, you're single. And, and what you feed off of every day is interacting with other people. What would be some good advice from Blake Benz <laughs> to help folks get through this? Because I can see Blake, and I don't mean this to be a long-winded question, but I can really see some folks starting to begin to struggle with this very thing because they get the high every day of people interaction. Most, most people crave interaction with other human beings. Yeah. I mean, you got to pick up the phone and call someone. I mean, that's, I, I wish there was a sexier answer, but I mean, you know, there's part of what I do for a living on top of like working with customers, clients, what have you. I'm also trying to be very intentional with relationships. And so people, I mean, I called you last week 
And there was yeah. no agenda. It was just like, hey, man, I'm just checking in. Yeah. That, that's kind of what you have to do, especially in a new normal of social distancing. You know, for me, living in Houston, I, I remember I would come home at night. It'd be late at night. You know, we, I finally got done with the school day. And it'd be seven, eight, nine o'clock at night. And I knew I had about an hour or two to go to bed before I needed to start the day again. And I just, the, the house just felt totally empty. And it was kind of like, woe is me a little bit. And I, I think yeah. I wish in hindsight, I had been more aggressive in recognizing that, you know, we are dealt a hand in our life, but, but we, we flip the cards, right? Like we have yeah. to decide what to do with that. And so what I just try to do now, and, and you know, it's kind of funny, man, as being an entrepreneur, being a business owner, I mean, this, this whole social distancing thing, this is kind of my norm anyway. Yeah. You know, I don't have an office I go to. I don't have, I don't have a, a big team of people that I'm working with. You know, my existence in terms of relationships is really what I'm intentional about. And so, you know, just like this podcast is called The Intentional Encourager, people have to be intentional with the relationships. And I, I think more than ever now, but I don't think that comes naturally and I, and I don't know if it's an American thing. I, I don't know what it is, but I remember I was in Germany last year and I told them, I said, hey, you guys should come visit us sometime. And the Germans were like, isn't that something like Americans say, but don't actually mean like, hey, I'll call you sometime. Wow, hey, that's a get, great point. Let's get coffee sometime, but we don't. And so here's what I try to do. I have a friend of mine, he doesn't live here anymore, but whenever we would see each other and say, we need to get coffee sometime, we would laugh because we'd be like, okay, let's pull out our phone and let's schedule yeah. it right now. Because if you don't, if you're not intentional, it'll just never happen, right? And yeah. so my my advice and my encouragement to anybody listening is there is someone who could use encouragement from you or someone who could use just a great positive word from you or just someone that you could, you could positively benefit from of just calling up and it doesn't have to be a half an hour conversation. I mean, I call my dad and it's like 60 seconds and it's over. <laughs> but, but that's all yeah. that's all he needs, that's all I need. But, yeah. but the intentionality piece that's what has to happen. And that's actually, and again, not to be long-winded with my answer. No, but go ahead. With dealing with depression and imposter syndrome and all these things, it took me realizing that no one was going to call me and say, Blake, you are amazing. You are God's gift to the world. You're incredible, yeah. man. Keep at it. You have to sort of, you have to flip the script a little bit and be, be assertive on your own right. And the same thing's true about relationships. You can't wait for everyone to nourish that relationship with you. There's people in your mind, people on your list that you have to call and be intentional with. Um, otherwise, it's, it's going to go by the wayside. I love what you said there about, about reaching out and, and things like that. We have more ways. When, when I travel, of course, I'm not traveling right now. Nobody's really traveling <laughs> right now. But when I travel, I use uh, Duo. I use... That, I use that primarily to stay connected at home. And you're right. This is the best time now more than ever just to reach out and say, hey, I, I did that last night. I texted a couple of my cousins that I hadn't connected with in a while and said, hey, just, just thinking about you, had you on my mind and, and wanted to text you. I've got to ask you this real quick. And last question I've got for you. And again, I really appreciate your time today, Blake. What's your why? With good advice coaching, what is your why, especially in these, and I would say, I'm not going to say perilous times. I think these are unusual times. What's your why right now? And what should a business owner be thinking about their why in the midst of these unprecedented times? Yeah, I mean, there's, there's, there's two things that really drive me. And, you know, when we talk about the why, I think people understand this concept a little bit. 
when we talk about like mission statement. Yeah. But that's, that's like the, beyond that cliche, we don't really understand our why. Um, business owners right now are having to rediscover their why, because if they're, if their why is just, you know, I just run a business and I sell stuff. Um, you're not going to be able to sustain yourself through challenging circumstances. For me, my why has always been about impacts. You know, I want to sincerely feel like my giftings are being used to make someone's life better, to make their business stronger. Um, you know, I feel like God has, I feel like the, there's that old Bible verse that talks about, um, you know, he knit me together in my mother's womb and, you know, the hairs on our heads are numbered rather than counted. Yeah. And so there's, there's a implicit uh, message of significance and importance there. And so I've always wanted to take that and share that with other people and say, Hey, you matter, your business matters. Let's, let's help make this as successful as possible. Um, so that drives me. It's also the reason why right now, and you probably saw me put this out for the next 30 days, probably longer. Uh, I'm literally, all my services are free for small business owners because I want them to feel helped and impacted. And, um, and part of that is selfish for me where I know businesses is going to be slower. And so for me to continue to feel like I'm making a difference, I have to keep the volume up. The other why that drives me is that my wife and I are huge givers. I mean, there, we were talking last night about, we just read a story about a business that had to let go all of its staff. And I thought, man, it, it would be a great testimony to, for me if my business was incredibly successful, if I had a staff of people and I yep. could say, hey, you guys go home. The next 60 days are paid for. Hey, I'm going to pay your mortgages. Hey, your bills are paid. Just yeah. go spend time with your family. Like that, those are the kinds of things that I think are, are tangible in terms of testimony and in terms of our ability to make an impact. But it's going to take me building this business into something meaningful to ever have that. Um, so that's well, that's and there's yeah, and reason. and there's a lot of fear right now. And and I want to park on that real quick because um, what it, what piece of encouragement would you give a small business owner? They've got a maybe a small coffee shop, 10, 12 employees, and and nobody's coming in the door because most governors of states and and our governor is getting ready in a little bit to, to update the state here in West Virginia, as many governors around the country have done. Do you have a quick piece of advice that you could give a small business owner and how to get through these, these unusual times? Yeah, I mean, you, you have to break away from the mentality of I'm stuck or I'm a victim or there's just nothing that can be done. And instead flip, flip your mentality into what can I do right now? someone out there is making money, will it be you? And you know, oh, we all like great. to think, well, I run a brick and mortar store, it's impossible. There's going to be stories of brick and mortar stores that made lots of money during this time, not because they were taking advantage of anyone, but because they were willing to innovate, change and grow in terms of how they've always done something. So great examples of this, you know, you've, you've probably seen uh, one of the most common trends right now is buying gift cards uh, or buying, um, you know, if you buy this today, then six months from now you can, um, uh, I can't think of the word you can, uh, you could redeem it. it. Yeah. You can redeem you it, redeem it, you know, at, for, you know, double what you would have got it for today. I've even seen some businesses that are mailing their products. It had never been a mail to customer business, but they're mailing their product, their perishable products to their customers. So like coffee, for example, coffee can only, you know, it actually doesn't have a permanent shelf life, yep. but some people who are actually starting home delivery coffee services, 
you know, these are, these are people who are just, again, they're, they're willing to try, they're willing to adapt and innovate and try new things. That is the only way people are going to be able to survive. And if, if you legitimately cannot do any of those things, now's a perfect time to start building your brand. I mean, you aren't, you don't have a store that people are in right now. You have an opportunity to get on LinkedIn. You have an opportunity to, to revamp your website and make sure that your digital brand is something meaningful. Um, you know, there's a lot of opportunities there. I, I would just encourage people not to feel stuck as easy as it is to feel that way. There are opportunities. You have to be willing to try it. Blake Benz, this has been fantastic. I want people to go and check out the Good Advice podcast that Blake does. Uh, he is absolutely killing it right now. Some, some great content on his podcast, the Good Advice podcast. Also connect with him, Blake, at Good Advice Coaching. Dot com. That's, that's B-L-A-K-E at G-O-O-D-C-O-A-C-H-I-N-G dot com. Blake at goodadvicecoaching.com. I really hope you enjoyed the conversation with Blake and go find his resources. I think they'll help you tremendously. And follow us on Twitter at The Intentional Encourager. That's at Intentional E-N-C number one intentional enc number one on twitter remember we're on all the podcast sources google play apple Podcasts, spotify iheart wherever you find podcasts just search the intentional encourager and you'll find our podcast there like us follow us subscribe so that you get every episode delivered right to you every week as we release them my special thanks to my producer bryce sexton and to our technical advisor matt means and all I want to thank the Lord Jesus Christ because in his word, his word will always find intention. Until next time, remember, everyone, everywhere, at any time, can be.
Encourager. Encourager.